to another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today I'm joined by Devin Schweppe. Devin is, Devin is an assistant professor in the Department of Genome Science and is here to talk to us about setting up a lab because he just recently set up his lab here at UW. And we figured it was pretty fresh in his mind, the things that would be good to know as you set up a lab. So Devin, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So you just did this and it was obviously a learning experience. And as you reflect back on kind of the process of setting up a lab, if you were going to give someone else advice and say, boy, the couple of big things that I learned that I didn't really realize before I started, let's start with that. What would those be? Yeah. Uh, I would say the, the first major one that comes to mind always is uh, have patience, one, with yourself, with the process, um, and two, also with your trainees and staff. Um, that comes from even the simple things, right, in terms of ordering reagents, right? They're not going to get here exactly when you want necessarily. Maybe you want to start an experiment your first week in the lab. That's not going to happen, but you're still going to get experiments done before, uh, before too long anyway. Um, same thing with kind of hiring people. Uh, you want them to always show up and be there immediately so you can do all these things, but um, just reinforcing a little bit of patience to say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to take a breath, things will get started, we'll get underway, and it's all going to work out. That was a big one. And then I, I think the other big one was, so ask for help, lots and lots of help. <laughs> I think that was that was the biggest thing for me because it's really hard from coming from a postdoc um, where you're kind of you know your project and you know the landscape of doing everything. And um, one thing that's sometimes hard to do is there's so many facets to becoming a PI that you never really trained for. And I think we'll might get into this later um, from the finances to the personnel management. And there's lots of people here at UW who, who can help and answer questions and uh, kind of get you off your feet. So you don't need to really do it alone. And they're really happy to help and excited to help but you have to find them and ask them. Um, and like going out of your way to, to find those people and shoot people emails out of the blue, I think has been a, uh, one, it's fun because you meet a lot of people, but then two, super helpful because it takes a little bit of that burden, a little bit of that stress off your shoulders and you realize there's some support network around. So, so okay, let me, uh, I have a bunch of follow-ups based on that. So the first one is be patient, which I think is really hard when you're finally be your own PI and you're like, this is it. I got to start doing science. I got to start running experiments and I got to start gathering data. And you're saying, take a couple deep breaths because you're going to be there for a while and stuff isn't going to show up on day one regardless. The second one I want to dig in a little bit more on, which is ask for help, which I love in general. Maybe that's a good life lesson, really. Um, so two follow questions. The first one is, were there people who you would tell other people, these are good people to know about, that you should know that these are good folks to, to kind of stick in your back pocket as, as a resource. Let's start with that as the first follow-up. Yeah, uh, for me, it's been kind of a combination, uh, especially relevant in my mind as we're trying to get material transfer agreements going. Uh, kind of the, the trifecta of uh, our grants management folks here in the Department of Genome Sciences, who are, they're all fantastic, everyone I've interacted with. Um, so thank you if they're listening to. Um, the other group would be uh, kind of interfacing with OSP 
the Office of Sponsored Projects um, or programs. And they've been great in terms of like helping me in the lab kind of clear up specific issues with language or setting up grants or submitting all the right documents. And then also um, I had some really helpful conversations with folks over at um, CoMotion um, in terms of genome science is a very tech dev department and kind of interfacing with them to get an idea of what sorts of programs are interesting to develop and um, kind of bring out of the department uh, were super helpful. So all three layers of that have been um, awesome in terms of uh, things that I didn't know and didn't know I didn't know. And now I'm starting to like get a glimmer of an idea of all the work they're doing behind the scenes. It is always amazing to learn what you don't know, you don't know. So <laughs> I hear you. So <laughs> local grants manage management folks in your department, OSP and CoMotion. So those are things that other folks might find uh, potential resources as well. The other thing I wanted yeah. to follow up on that you said was I just started emailing people and I want to hear about what you, what the reaction was when you kind of cold emailed folks. Uh, a general super supportive and generally kind of excited, right? It's, um, I kind of started doing that in grad school a little bit. When I was a grad student, I got a lot more rejections now than I'm a PI uh, in terms of just getting blown off and never receiving a, a call back or a, an email back. But generally, especially folks like within the department, they're super helpful in terms of like, hey, I don't know if you have, say, this piece of equipment, or I don't know if you've ever had experience kind of using this pipeline. Do you, do you have any advice? Do you have like these very, very arcane parts that we can like borrow for a day or two just until we get running and and pretty much universally it's been positive kind of responses. And then folks outside of our department too, um, just kind of cold emailing that, oh, hey, I think your science is super cool. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about it? And conversations like that have even spiraled into like collaborations with, with folks in other departments, um, which is super fun, right? Because it's a random email and then some cool science. So. I think that that's something that I'd love for folks who are listening to take home, which is sometimes you hesitate to send an email to someone because you're like, I don't know, what are they, they going to respond? Are they going to think I'm weird because I emailed them? And it's great to do that. It's fine to do it, but it's also great to do that because you might make a great connection or learn something new or meet someone new or find a future collaborator. So maybe that's a big take home for people is, you know, don't hesitate, send that, send that email. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be perfectly worded, which is always like, I will sit there and reread my emails a thousand times uh, to try and get it right. And then I send it and like, I just get a response back. That's all excitement. I com like completely overlooked this like one spelling mistake that I had. And it's just like, yeah, <laughs> you're totally right. Just send it, see what happens. Awesome. All right. I wanted to dig into two other parts of setting up a lab. And I think it's interesting because I think for most people, they focus on their science, their science, their science. And then we say like run a small business kind of when you're a PI. So um, you have to kind of understand the finance side of it and you have to understand the people side of it. And so let's start off with like the finance side. So obviously you'd written, been part of writing grants before, but what are some big things that you learned about the finance side of running a lab that you are like, Boy, I wish someone had told me this before I started. There is uh, definitely 
as a postdoc in generally well-funded labs, there's kind of this inherent disconnect, right? We were like, oh, we have plenty of money to do all these things. And uh, it's definitely a, a little bit of a sucker punch when, when you see that first bill for like, I just want to set up and run SDS page, right? That's all I want to do. It's super basic biochemical mobile. And it's like, all right, we're going to have to spend like three to $5,000 to get the basic equipment. And then if you want to buy your own gels, it's like X amount of money per gel. Um, so kind of a, a rude awakening for some of those things. Um, but then it's also kind of a mentality of, and I think um, it helped talking to some of the more senior folks in the department where it's, um, there's science you want to do. Yes, it's going to be expensive. That's kind of just what goes along with it. But the helpful advice is kind of, you have to spend money you have to do it. It's what you need to bring in people to get all the equipment you want. And the more you kind of dilly dally trying to set everything up, try and find that perfect price, get 500 extra dollars off some piece of equipment, uh, the less time you're actually doing the science. Um, so I think one thing that just talking to most, part of that was talking to other folks in the department who've been here for a bit. And part of it's talking to other young PIs and other institutions and there seems to be this and always this trade-off, right? Because uh, you're definitely also going to make just horrible spending mistakes where you're like, I spent $10,000 on this piece of equipment that I could have just borrowed from somebody else in the department. And you're just kicking yourself over that, right? And then you just have to kind of, again, step back to kind of that, be patient, you'll learn, you'll get better. It's not something you're just going to know right off the start. And, uh, finances and Financial management of the lab, I think, is that that huge thing that we all kind of know is coming when you sign up to be a PI. But no matter how much you've talked to kind of senior PIs, no matter how much um, you've kind of planned for it, it's once it's once it's real and once it's like your lab's money, it's becomes much more kind of emotionally charged with. Am I doing it right? Am I? Yeah. Is this the right way to go about this? Yeah. Um, and I think for the for me, one of the helpful things was just hearing good anecdotes from or anecdotes from from friends that are also going through the process and they're like oh i just i have a friend who accidentally bought like basically a whole pallet of supplies when he was meaning to buy one box of supplies um and you're just kind of like all right you messed up but you're still going to be okay right like that's not that's not going to like kill your lab that's not going to stop you from doing cool things so it's also just kind of taking a beat on those things that often kind of start stressing you out. Yeah. So I heard like, oh, you might have sticker shock because now it's your money. And you're like, whoa, what? Things cost what? Um, and I think maybe for everyone listening, everyone makes a mistake occasionally. And maybe that palette of supplies is a good example. And we can all say that must have sucked. But you live up through it. Um, and then the thing that you said, which I think is what I give fellows advice when they become a, an attending physician is having a couple of colleagues who are kind of at the same phase of their setting up a lab to either just say like, am I crazy to be doing this? Or, oh my God, you won't believe what I did. And having that, that support of each other in those moments, because it's a totally different space. And it sounds like you organically have that, but it's a good strategy, I think. For sure. And there's some good resources too, right? Like new PI Slack is a great one to kind of oh. um, join up with and, and be a part of because there's a lot of commiseration on <laughs> mistakes made and how to also get in touch with like 
who to reach out to and um, in your department or maybe look for and what parts of that, like, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Oops, here's also a really stupid thing. Let's laugh at it and feel better. So. Yeah, that's another way to have community. So that's a great, that's a great resource to recommend. Awesome. Okay, there's one other big topic for sure I want to talk about, which is you also become a manager of people, which maybe you did before, but you, I think it's different when you become a PI and you're going to be hiring people and maybe having students or postdocs or other folks, techs work in your lab. So what 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 have you learned in the process of starting to hire people and trying to create your your lab team basically? Um, how how's that been? Uh, again, like at once stressful, but also super exciting, right? Because it's um, you do get to kind of like build a team. You get to kind of assemble people that one you're excited about them joining your lab but also you can usually very tangibly kind of see their excitement with all of the possibilities opening up in front of them. Um, and I got some good advice too for, for that from um, Bill Noble here who, who mentioned uh, just taking part in that excitement, right? Like new people joining your lab brings a lot of creative energy and it helps kind of rejuvenate you as a PI, even though maybe you bought that pallet instead of a box and then you hired someone who's like, I want to work on these five projects. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's trying to kind of take the, the good and excitement with that. I would say managing and kind of making the team is something that, that I really strive to do well. And I, I don't know, because it's only been six months. And, um, a lot of the people have only been here a matter of months, but I think they're gelling pretty well. And I think a lot of the lesson I took from that was um, from PIs I had who worked really hard. So especially my, my two postdoc advisors, uh, Jim Bruce and Steve Gigi, uh, had just labs where there was a lot of flow. People talked in the lab and went out and grabbed some beers after lab and that kind of flowing interconnectedness mm -hmm with science and with life, I think helped a lot of us just stay sane when our results were terrible and uh, stay happy when uh, we got fellowships rejected or, or what have you. And then, but also then celebrate those successes, right? Getting papers and fellowships, et cetera. So I think they, yeah, kind of showed the secret sauce. Like if you can build the team that like works really well together, start on the kind of foundation of people who one, have to be super stoked about their projects, right? You want someone to come in who's like gonna love working on the projects that you have available, um, which I think makes sure that they're not gonna uh, run into strife. And then the other one is kind of just people who are, and it's hard to get a sense of that in um, interviews, but you kind of just gotta go with the gut, right? And that's what we're doing a lot. So people you think just are gonna be good honest, decent people who you can like go and ask about their results and they're going to give you the truth and like, oh, this didn't work. And these are the reasons I, I think it didn't work. And like that, um, good communication, positive attitude and general excitement about um, the science they're doing, I think will kind of work for itself to build the team. Yeah, I think, um that, that the passion about the science plus like the person you would want to 
be around, <laughs> whether that's in the lab or occasionally getting a beer afterwards, preferably after there's a pandemic. Um, <laughs> true, true. Or, or uh, virtually, virtually virtual, also yep, solid you can option. Zoom in. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, I think that is one of those challenges. I'm going to say this to you because it's going to happen. Despite your best efforts, occasionally it still doesn't work out. At least that's been the experience in my life. And that's a new challenge that we won't address today. But I think the part about going with your gut and making sure people are really passionate about what they're going to be doing, that all resonates with me a lot. Those folks where you said you had great PIs when you were a postdoc, where you said there was that kind of flow and and people were sharing ideas and also kind of sharing their lives. And are there any things that you remember that those post those PIs did that helped create that environment moving forward? Like after you've hired people, what are the are there any things that you think of like in the labs I've been in would help create and maintain that that community really um, that were partic particularly effective? Two things kind of come to mind. So the first is. Um, during kind of like lab meetings or, or collaboration meetings, having a good 10, 15 minutes at the beginning of the meeting, just talking, right? Like we'll get to the science, we're gonna spend an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, I think our record lab meeting was a four hour odyssey, um, but we're gonna spend lots and lots of time talking about science. Like if you can focus on the, the first bit kind of on chatting about how are you doing? How was your weekend? Um, what are you excited about? What's what's going well? That kind of uh, starts to build that inherent element of, of community within the lab, right? That you can take deep breath and um, kind of talk and open up a little bit. And not everyone wants to, and therefore no one, not everyone has to, but I think it just builds in um, an informal kind of partition to to talking about those things. Yeah. I. I think that that's actually probably the most important one kind of structurally um, that you could build. And then kind of the, the other one, yeah, is I think there's kind of just that gut visceral feeling, right? Where you just, you meet someone and you look at their work and you see their, their CV and you just got to kind of go with it. Right. Cause there's going to be a ton of heart. You can't hire everyone, especially when you're a new PI. So it's yeah, yeah just, living with your gut <laughs> so. yeah trust your gut i think that's a good a good thing in general and I, I like that part about like don't jump right into business spend a little time catching up talking about what's going on do it organically i think that that's a great pearl for people to, to think about and you've given a bunch of really great pieces of advice and i know you're like i just did this and i don't know if it's all going to work but you also just lived it which is really helpful for people to hear exactly um so my last question for you is if there was one thing that you wished one of your PIs or one of your colleagues or your new bosses or anyone, one thing you're like, I wish someone would have told me this before I started setting up this lab, what would that be? I wish, honestly, the, the one, and it kind of circles back to your first question is I wish I had heard every single day, be patient, be patient, be patient, because it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah, it's, it's so hard to do, especially balancing it, but hearing it externally, having people kind of constantly uh, reference that point. Um, and the fact that it applies to so many things, I think is helpful, right? Because it, it applies to hiring, it applies to the equipment. Uh, but it even, I saw, I think, something on Twitter the other day that was, um, I'm paraphrasing, I think it was 
if you submit 200 grants and get 199 rejections, you're still a funded lab, <laughs> right? And like, yeah. that's got another element of patience. Um, and it's just everything, everything. I would say a small thing, and this is completely logistical too, is also kind of floats back to the um, ask for help and, and reach out is just send out a blast to your department if you're starting up and just be like, hey, what equipment do you have that I can use? Oh, and nice. like, right, it's just, it's a simple thing. But I had, I, I remember there was one, like I, I bought a centrifuge, like brand new, full price. And a week later, someone came up to me and were like, hey, we have this one extra. Do you want it for free? And it's just like, you know what? Yeah, I really would have loved that. And, uh, shoot, I should have just sent out an email. Um, so it's kind of just like, if you shoot out a blast email, it's just a list of all the kind of supplies and equipment that you're looking for and asking for. Probably already exists in the department or the school of medicine or maybe then just the next building, right? It's, that can be a super helpful thing for kind of taking some of the burden off your shoulders, right? Like, so you don't have to order quite as much in that first yeah. year or two. I think that's great. I think it kind of ties into what you gave us an earlier message, which is like, reach out to people. So this is like a blast email to say like, here's the things I know I need. Does anyone have these? It also kind of opens the door of interacting with the rest of the folks in your department because you've just kind of put yourself out there, which is great too. And it sounds like you're particularly good at that. Um, and I'm going to come back to that last, that first thing you said and the kind of thing that you just led with, which is patience. And I think if I was going to say, you know, everyone listening, channel Devin's voice when you have that moment when you're like, oh my gosh, I wish this was here or this person was doing this already or I was already six steps down the, this, this road of the investigation I want to do, that particularly at the start, patience is important and that you'll get there. You have imparted great wisdom uh, and I really appreciate all the things that you've shared. I'm confident our listeners will learn a lot from this discussion. And I just want to say a huge thank you for, for joining us today. Of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. And so for our listeners, if you want to listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find them on the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.uwmedicine.org. Thanks again, Devin. And to all of you, have a great day.